Ready for this? Oh yeah. All right. Oh good. We are now entering into a claustrophobic stairwell, I imagine. <laughs> Let's see. Not that one. Lots of doors lead the way, sir. Last week, I explored a part of downtown Dallas that I never knew existed. Well, they used to play a fairly important part in the lives of office workers, particularly downtown. A series of pedestrian tunnels underneath the city's central business district, which falls in the district represented by Councilman Paul Ridley. They originated back in the 70s and 80s when new buildings were built downtown. They were connected to the tunnel system, allowing office workers to go there for restaurants and small services, shoe repair, that kind of thing during their lunch hours whenever, without having to go up and contend with traffic in the streets or inclement weather. But time can be cruel, and in the decades since, many of those restaurants and other services have started to disappear. Thinking over some more of these restaurants and get it back like it was, it'll be very nice, you know, because we used to have 10,000, 15,000 people come through here for lunch. I'm Bailey Friday, and Texas wants to know, why are there mysterious pedestrian tunnels underneath downtown Dallas? No matter how long we live somewhere, there are always going to be new things to discover about our cities, right? Fun little surprises around every corner. While I grew up in North Texas, I went to Dallas pretty regularly, and while I could see that there was a lot of action on street level and even higher, I never knew there was a series of tunnels underground. I had one experience with it, and I was told it was an underground mall, and I barely got to peek inside, and that was that. But a whole network of underground tunnels? Yeah, I had no idea. So what was your reaction when you found them the first time? Was it like, oh, I didn't know these were here. What the heck? What is this? Yeah, it kind of wasn't a remarkable thing because... We just came to eat, we found the thing we needed, and then we left. It wasn't until later that I found out they went throughout the whole downtown area. Right? That was before they closed a couple of the key passages, but you could get from one end of downtown to the other without ever stepping outside. It was, that was pretty cool. And that's kind of unique, right? I mean, that's not something a lot of cities can boast. A couple other cities have them, and they do well. They embrace them. I think that's the difference between Dallas's culture um, and attitudes towards the tunnels is the other cities embrace them. And once the city embraces them, Mm -hmm. then they can prosper. That is Michael Sitarzewski. He's a software developer who lives in Dallas. And he's also a guy who just got super interested in the city's underground pedestrian passages. He's an expert now. He even gives tours of the tunnels. So we asked him to show us around, and he did, on a chilly mid-November morning. But to tell you the truth, the weather really didn't matter because we were underground. Lead the way, I shall follow you. This whole area down here under 1700 Pacific was recently remodeled, as you can tell. It's beautiful. Um, It wasn't like this before. It was kind of early 80s deco, plastic chairs, um, metal tables, things like that. But uh, it survived. But there is a lot of space under the city that actually hasn't survived. So back in 2005, Dallas Mayor Laura Miller was quoted in the New York Times saying, quote, If I could take a cement mixer and pour cement in and clog up the tunnels, I would do it today. She went on to call them, quote, the worst urban planning decision that Dallas has ever made. 
And so they were well-intentioned, but they appear to have taken business away from street-level stores and restaurants, and that was their downfall. There are apparently still some uh, businesses in the tunnels, but uh, I think the foot traffic has drastically declined. I used to use them quite a bit uh, when I officed in a couple of different buildings downtown, but some of the tunnels have been cut off so that you can no longer walk halfway across downtown like you used to be able to. The hypothesis was, if you have these tunnels and you have all this vibrancy underground, then there's no there's nobody up top, right? And so that's an interesting take on it, except that we still have the tunnels, and now there are tons of people walking around up top. And I think the thing that changed is the dynamics of downtown is more residential friendly, so the people that are here stay here. They don't go home at 5 o'clock anymore. And downtown Dallas, Inc. has done a great job of encouraging businesses to open retail up top, right? So bring restaurants down. They helped with AT&T's Discovery District. And so there are a lot more dynamics to it than just bring people to the surface. Tunnels and sky bridges, my personal favorite, crisscross three miles of Dallas's central business district with main entrances in some of the city's landmarks like Thanksgiving Square, Renaissance Tower, and Bank of America Plaza. That's the building that lights up in green neon lights every night. You've probably seen it. So we started our tour under 1700 Pacific, which sits right between Pacific Avenue and Elm Street. It also has a food court that was recently renovated. So the part we're in right now is very modern. It kind of feels like a mall. We've got nice floors, tile, and it is well lit. And it's not claustrophobic. I can look outside and see the above ground. I'm feeling good. <laughs> this, this tunnel we're about to go into is more what you'd imagine a creepy tunnel to look like where one might go to their death, but I am very, very confident we are going I'll, to be okay. I'll take you to a place that will really reinforce that, um, that feeling <laughs> okay. and that vibe. Good. So it's a little more claustrophobic. The ceilings are lower here. Just a little bit of background for you. I am incredibly claustrophobic. I actually had a fear of elevators until I was about 20. I would not ride them alone, and even now I take the stairs if I can take the stairs. But that's neither here nor there. Anyway, we're walking through a tunnel, we're under Pacific Avenue, and we walk into a space beneath the lobby of Gables Republic Tower. This is the fun one that I wanted to take you down. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah, you ready? Yes, I am so ready. We are now in a part of the tunnel that is so short, I, at 5'4", can touch the ceiling. <laughs> I feel Oops. powerful. These tunnels with varying ceiling heights were built in the 1970s. But why are they here? There's no underground subway system in Dallas, and the city's light rail didn't even launch until the mid-90s. So what's going on? The tunnels really are a kind of bifurcated system at this point. You know, originally envisioned, uh, I think, in the mid-60s by a planner named Vincent Ponte. That's Dustin Bullard. He's the chief of urban transformation for Downtown Dallas, Inc. The tunnels were envisioned as a way to reduce conflicts with pedestrians and vehicular traffic within downtown uh, at the time. Uh, I think there's also, at the time, there was a desire to allow people to park in a parking garage. You know, you're coming in from the suburbs to go to your office, you park in a garage, and you never have to go outside. You know, you're in an air-conditioned space uh, roughly from the time you leave your garage to the time you sit at your desk to the time you go home. You know, personally, I don't think that's a great way to live. Uh, I think, you know, getting outside and enjoying fresh air, especially now, everything we've been through, uh, we see that that is, that is good. So 
you know, a lot of people will cite the tunnels as a, a death nail to downtown. Uh, I would say probably not. There were a lot of factors uh, between the, the construction of the tunnels and, you know, the 1980s that, that led to a less vibrant downtown. The reason this used to be scary is it wasn't as well lit as it is now. Imagine no lights in here, and the only light was from end to end, right? So it was a little scary. It's like a fun house. <laughs> I love how we keep hooking me up to a lab and making me crawl up structures so y'all can hear my breathing. And if you want to hear more of that great content of me breathing heavily while mic'd up and forced to climb a giant structure, go ahead and check out our very first episode of Texas Wants to Know. It's pretty entertaining. <laughs> I'm climbing on top of scaffolding on top of the Magnolia Building in downtown Dallas to visit the famed Pegasus there. I promise I try my best to not breathe directly in the microphone, but you know, when you're in the moment, sometimes it just happens. So what made you want to start giving tours of these tunnels? You asked earlier about the revitalization of the tunnels or if there's any opportunity to, to do something new with them, but that was really it. How can you take this asset that exists in the city of Dallas, not owned by the city of Dallas, but that exists in the city of Dallas, and turn it into something that's useful for what's coming. And the really cool thing about experiencing the city on foot, both below and above ground, is you get to see these parts of Dallas you just don't experience by driving through. This is Thanksgiving Square. It was not renamed, and it's a, it's a nonprofit if I remember correctly. But they take care of the space. If you look around, there's tables. It's a really nice, peaceful water sound right in the heart of downtown. It's really beautiful. And have you ever been in that? You know I've that never is? been in that have thing. Have you what seen it? Thanksgiving Hall. I'm going to pass by it right now. It looks like ice cream. All right, we're going to go up there real quick. This is what I wanted to show you. All right. I stand by what I said. The outside of the chapel looked like ice cream. But the inside of this chapel, oh, oh my gosh. It was gorgeous. We're talking colorful stained glass swirling up on this high ceiling, just absolutely beautiful. So that was a high point for me personally. And then another one of my favorite places we visited ended up being the lobby of the Comerica Bank Tower. Gorgeous place. If you can't tell, I kind of have a thing for windows. This place had a lot of windows. I mean, we're talking sunshine streaming in these beautiful windows, gorgeous marble details, and just really, really high ceilings. Aside from the parks and the different views and all these cool things we got to see, we also noticed the culture, the people, you know, who make up the character of this underground city. I'm the shoe repair guy for the building, and my name is Leonard, Leonard Bird, and I've been doing it for 22 years. Oh, wow. Yes, I moved from Florida here and I moved down here and didn't know what I was going to do and, and God trained me how to do it and I've been doing it ever since. Bird's business survived the first two years of the pandemic. You know, it's interesting. People who work down in the tunnels seem to measure time pre and post pandemic. Oh, it was terrible. You know what I mean? It was just depressing. Very depressing when you come to work and don't see nobody. Mm. So. <laughs> I, so I was off for two years doing it, so I had to stay with my wife, and we made it through it, and we're back. Underneath a different building, we met Cass, the very fun soul at Creative Shoe Repair. 
It's wonderful. It's wonderful. I enjoy my job. Different type of people. You know, smiles every day. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Just, uh, it's just lovely. It's lovely. It's picking back up, which is more beautiful. It's dead for a minute. So since the COVID has passed, it's, it's, it's a wonderful place to work. He said he started working in the tunnels only two years before the start of the pandemic. Actually, business has picked up more because people coming back to work. And when the COVID hit, it was uh, actually kind of depressing because there wasn't no work. Mm. You know what I'm saying? If I don't work, I don't eat. What kind of clients do you usually get? Are they business people? I get all kinds, from uh, kids to adults. Uh, you know, uh, I get business people, and I get people from, uh, you know, youngsters that want to, you know, get their sneakers cleaned up. I think what's happened over time is that Downtown Dallas Inc.'s focus has really been on revitalizing downtown. And to do that, one of the first things you want to do is make sure there are other people downtown that you can see so you don't feel so isolated. Everybody okay with jaywalking? All right, sweet. And they did a great job. They've done a great job. There are tons of people walking around downtown. One of the stats we like to use is, you know, in the late 1990s, we had about 200 residential units within downtown Dallas, and that was mostly all concentrated in the Manor House, which is still an existing building today. And at that time, in the mid to late 1990s, we had a lot of large, uh, vacant commercial office buildings that were completely boarded up. And so through the work with private partners, the city of Dallas our organization and others, we have repurposed over 40 vacant structures, uh, turning most of those into residential apartments, condos and hotel use to some degree, some updated office space as well. So today we sit at about almost 15,000 residents and we have about uh, a thousand new residential units uh, under construction or late stage permitting. This is the best uh, data set really for uh, to use on census data, right? So it's going to be 1990 to 2020. Okay. The city of Dallas population increased by 29%. That's just the city. And then if we look, the downtown population growth from 1990 to 2020 was over a 6,000% growth. So 1990 residents, 220. And then in 2020, we had 14,500 residents. And that is just within the downtown core of downtown. So within that inner freeway loop. When you come downtown in the evenings and on the weekends, you see people on the streets. There are people out walking to the parks, walking their dogs, uh, pushing baby carriages. It's really become a neighborhood that people are invested in. So what's to become of this unique underground space? Are there any uses for it? We've seen some, some interesting reuse over there. Cafe Momentum specifically has leased some office space and done some additional kind of education space under there. And so again, I think there are moments and there are areas within the tunnel system from a real estate perspective that they can be a productive or a complementary use to the changing face of, of downtown. If they can lease them, I'm sure they will attempt to do that to improve their revenue stream. But the fact that many of them have been vacant for many years tells me that there's not a lot of demand for subterranean uh, retail. And frankly, I'd rather see it on the streets uh, because they were designed for pedestrians. And I'd like to see our streets activated downtown and not just a ghost town. You know, one use that they could be put to is storage for tenants. Um, I just don't see them coming back to what they were in the 80s and 90s as a bustling commercial zone. 
we've chased down different use scenarios. Um, in fact, we were working with a, a group that has some underground space that again was was part of the tunnel system originally. You know, do you do mini golf kind of entertainment type uses down there? You know, there's there's unique and creative opportunities for the space. So we like street life. Uh, we really, uh, as an organization, have pushed for bringing activity back up to the sidewalk uh, and creating a, a, a more diverse kind of neighborhood with street activity. So what's been one of your favorite experiences just being down here solo exploring the tunnels? Uh, actually, my favorite experiences are when, when I'm with people. Really? Yeah, because the, ex the expressions and the the awe of the system being down here and people that live their entire lives and never come down here. That's what, that's what I see. I see that excitement. I'm Bailey Friday at News Radio 1080 KRLD in Dallas, Fort Worth. Thank you so much for joining me on our podcast, Texas Wants to Know. If you like the show, please give us a rating and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode was produced by Chris Blake and Savannah Jones. Original music by Michael Eisenstein. Editorial support from Cooper Mall. Odyssey's managing producer for national news podcasts is Myron Kaplan. Music